0: It's, it's, it's a very small club. It's a very small table. But once you have a seat, you know, the world opens up. But it's getting that seat. That's with anything, that's with any industry. But with nightlife, it was just much more difficult because, you know, back then, before social media and all that, you know, you had to really find the right person to know. It wasn't like you just go to Instagram and search a hashtag. You had to really find the right person. That right person didn't want to talk to you.
1: The king of nightlife in Miami. Former, um, former king of nightlife.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and more of a prince, if anything. I'd say more of a feifdom, not not, not a kingdom.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the flair of nightlife in Miami, as you like to call it. So how did it all come about? Tell us about your early days in Miami. Oh,
0: man, you're making me feel old. The early days in Miami? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man! Well, um, back when I was your age, I, um, that, that was my objective. I mean, I came to Miami specifically to get involved in nightlife. I, went, I attended the University of Miami, you know, instead of a far better college because I wanted to get into nightlife. I, this, it was what I wanted to do. No one or nothing could talk me out of that entrepreneurial journey. So that's what I did. And, I mean, this was back in the day. You know, social media was like saying hi to someone and being social you know that was there was no instagram there was no twitter this is before facebook this is all this so it was definitely a different world and then um as the technologies came out it made things easier and then it made things harder and you know it eventually just became a mess it became a mess with all the tools and gadgets we have <laughs> so needless to say i'm happy i'm out of the mess i'm not i'm not i mean i'm the virus kind of came along but i was already out i mean um when, uh, when your crowd and customer thinks Y2K is a DJ, it's time to move on.
1: Um, you have really good relationships with some great actors. You've worked with celebrity entrepreneurs and some of the hot shots of Hollywood. So tell us some more about those days and how, how exactly um, did you get into it? Uh, what exactly drove you towards it? I want to know more about that. Okay, so if we're, if we're going deep into the weeds, we're, um, basically what happened? is
0: as an entrepreneur, you either have an interest, an inkling, or what the psychologist Abraham Maslow referred to as a peak experience. Are you familiar with the peak experience? The peak experience is a term he coined when you, you have a moment where everything seems to make sense. You know, your, your your body, your mind, your soul, everything is aligned. It makes sense for what you're doing, the task you're going on now. People throughout history have described this as usually a moment of clarity, a eureka moment, an epiphany, you know, Napoleon experienced it when he was a young lieutenant, felt like he was flying. Uh, The same director, Akira Kurosawa, you might know from a Every major famous Japanese movie, Seven Samurai, Yojimbo, Hidden Fortress, uh, Ran, all that stuff, inspired Star Wars. But that's a whole other topic. He said that when he picked up a camera, he felt as if he was was at the top of a mountain with a cool mountain breeze blowing in his face. So just things make sense. And I feel like if you're a founder and you have that experience, you're going to go after it because it makes sense. It's hard to describe. It's hard to put into words. So I, I had that experience when I was 17. And that experience kind of, you know, drove me. It just it showed what was capable. It was just like, okay, I can do this. Not only can I do this, I can be the best at this. I can infiltrate this this industry, which is very hard to get into. You know, it, it's not like you can be like, hey, where do I sign up? Where do I apply? You you really had to know somebody and meet somebody and have that person kind of shepherd you in, just like with Hollywood, just like even with venture, you know, it's it, it, it's it's a very small club, it's a very small table, but once you have a seat, you know, the world opens up, but it's getting that seat, that's with anything, that's with any industry, but with nightlife, it was just much more difficult, because, you know, back then, before social media and all that, you know, you had to really find the right person to know. It wasn't like you just go to Instagram and search a hashtag. You had to really find the right person. That right person didn't want to talk to you. You know, they, they just didn't care because you know they always had people coming up to them and say, Hey, can you talk to me? Can you help me? I want to get into it. And it's just, you know, they ignored you. With me, I, I started throwing parties in the Bahamas when I was on spring break. And I came back and I just I had a mission. I didn't have any connections. I didn't have you know any insight. I didn't know how anything worked. But through serendipity and just kind of straight up hustling and asking every single person I knew, I literally met someone randomly and that person gave me a shot. And then that led to another connection, which led to another connection and everything kind of, you know, built up from there. So, you know, it's not even just with nightlife, but it's with any industry, especially one that's very, you know, it's very hard to break into. The doors are always closed. The mountains are always high. You know, you just have, you have to climb in and keep knocking no matter what. So when I got in, I was in. And it wasn't like I was in and everything was was amazing. I was like, oh, this is great. This is the easiest thing. It still took years to become established. It still took a lot of failures, a lot of trial and error, and it, it kind of prepared me for, you know, the real entrepreneurship stuff, you know, for the real companies and the real big deals and stuff, just because, you know, you go through this period of having, you know, people laugh at you because you, you work at a lame place, you go through a period of going to events that nobody wants to go to, you go through a period of being that annoying guy that no one wants to listen to, what I like to call the Steve Jobs period, you know, and Steve Jobs was the smelly kid that didn't take showers and didn't wear shoes, and slept on people's couches and dropped out of school and just hung out. Nobody wanted anything to do with them. You kind of have to go through that period where everyone thinks you're crazy until you actually start making moves. And um, a lot of people don't want to go through that period. They want to, you know, come out the gate and have a successful business and have a successful raise and, you know – just start making money and start being super successful within the first, you know, hour of, of, of starting their business. And it doesn't work that way. So, you know, being involved in nightlife, I mean, it, it definitely mentally prepared me for a lot of things, you know, to come afterward. And with that being the case, I mean, I was in the game for 15 plus years. Wow. So, you know, I dealt with thousands of people, thousands yeah. of people. You know, I, I, was, I never took vacations or anything because, to me, that was the ultimate ideal. Why would I ever, yeah. why would I ever leave? Everyone was coming to Miami. I, you know, I work at the hottest places. I would, I would be going to penthouses and mansions and yachts and, you know, private clubs and all that stuff. So it was, it was paradise. What so was the point of leaving when the world was coming. And for, for a time, I mean, it was just, you know, it was, it was fun. It was profitable. It was great. But at the same time, you know, I look back on it now because you know, everyone that hears that, especially when they see my background and they read my book. So they, you know, they come to a, a lecture or whatever, you know, it's like, that's the dream. I wish I could do that. And it's like, yeah, that was fun. It was great. But at the same time, you know, success can be a hindering factor. I wasn't I wasn't growing as much as I should have been, because once you reach the top, you're like, oh, that's great. I want to stay at the top. You know, it's awesome. You don't have to do anything. And, you know, it's uh, the wheel always turns. You know, no one stays at the top forever. So, you know, looking back, I mean, I don't have regrets, but I I wish Mm -hmm. I read more and I wish I got more into uh, just more out of that uh, that bubble, so to speak, because the bubble was, you know, okay, I would come to Miami and I would, you know, I'd hook them up and we'd hang out, but I didn't really pursue any other opportunities, you know, outside of that bubble. And But there's no opportunity cost to regret. It's not like someone came up to me and was like, there's something called Bitcoin. It's only five cents. You should buy a bunch. <laughs> there was nothing like that. There was, there was nothing like that. People always think like, oh, there's there's that one story where it's like, oh, you know, I met Mark Zuckerberg. He told me about this thing called Facebook. I don't know what he's talking about because I don't read. So I didn't do that. It wasn't anything like that. You know, um, it was just personally... Now that I'm in a whole different different space and different industries and work with different startups and, you know, have, have kind of done a bunch of different things, mm-hmm. it's kind of like at those times, instead of, you know, just hanging out and, and, and enjoying stuff, I should have been, you know, preparing for the eventual wheel being turned. And it's kind of, you know, what I tell everybody is like, listen, success is great and, you know, victory is great, but everything's fleeting. You know, you have to kind of be prepared because you never know it's going to come around the bend. You never know that there's going to be a pandemic that comes around the bend. And before this, people were like, pandemic, what is that? Is that a new kind of bread pan? Pandemic, what? Like, nobody knew. So, you know, but that kind of thing, it, it, it threw, a, threw a wrench into the world. And, you know, people weren't prepared for it. So, yeah, it was, it was great. I love it. I wouldn't change anything. Um, you know, it's what I did. But, you know, now as, I, uh, as I've been moving away and doing a bunch of other stuff, a myriad of other things and having all these other accolades, you know, people still will always ask, tell me about the parties. You know, I could have the cure for Corona. <laughs> I could come up with it. I could come yeah. up with a formula for like, this is a cure. And people it like, that's great. That's so amazing. So tell me about those parties. <laughs> <laughs> so tell, me, yeah. tell me how it was like being, being 18 years old and doing all this and all that. And it's like, that's... That's what they want to hear, so that's what I give them. And it's kind of like, uh, you know, you do realize I did this, and I did this, and I did that. And they're like, yeah, that's great. So what was it like with the celebrity, <laughs> you know? So it's, um, it was, uh, it's fun. You know, like I said, it's, it's no regrets. And I tell everybody if they have, whatever the passion is, they have to go after it. it it's going to consume you to the level that if you don't go after it, you're, you're, you're mentally and spiritually going to starve. It's going to stifle you. And, you know, a lot of people just put that that, that little inkling away. They put it away in, in, for a rainy day, or they put it away when things are better. And mm-hmm. let's look at the past year. Things aren't better. Things are going to always be changing. You have to act now. You know, Seneca wrote that the future is uncertain. Live immediately. So I try to tell everyone, live immediately. And why are things taking so long? We have to, we have to use every day to get something done to kind of, you know, climb that mountain, you know, before it's too late
1: personally I don't know someone who has worn so many hats you have written books you are you speak so much on on stages on um in the universities you are a super connector you and I know it because I have like the way I we spoke the first time I just knew it that you are brilliant at uh, building relationships and and that's why you were the you were the nightlife ninja in miami right so former uh, former <laughs> <laughs> please let's not get yeah. any let's not get any ideas you know it's a
0: former yeah. let's, we, yeah, we yeah, have yeah. to emphasize I that i point. don't want people oh. to,
1: i don't want people to come up to you after hearing the podcast and asking you about uh, where the party is at. So don't worry. <laughs> They're going to eventually, but that's okay. I'm sure there's a link, at the, a yeah. link below. Click <laughs> the link below. <laughs> no. And if not, let's put a link below. Yeah. <laughs> you know? we, will, we will do that. We will do that. Next, I want to talk about is um, about the business of nightclubs. I want to know more about running one of the most famous nightclubs of the world. What does it take? What does it take as an entrepreneur? What does it take as somebody who is facing challenges every day so i want to know more, a, a little bit in detail about what were the basic challenges that you faced while setting it up uh, because like you said it was pre social media so um, all the marketing that used to ha- that that would have happened would be just word of mouth and offline like um, so how was how was that time and what were the basic challenges that you faced around that time while setting it up
0: i should have brought a time machine for this stuff <laughs> 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 Hold on, 21.1 gigawatts. Here we go, 88 miles per hour. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I saw the change. I mean, it was much easier when social media was cool in its infancy. And what I mean, like, when it was cool, it wasn't like how it is now. So, you know, imagine a world where no one's a model and the word influencer doesn't exist and everybody kind of just was normal and nobody, you know, talked politics and spread conspiracy theory. You know, this is, you know, before Facebook, because I, I'd like to say Facebook was the great uh, the great change, especially for me. Before it, you know, you would call people. I mean, we would have phones, you know, they're not like boiler rooms because we weren't selling anything. We we're telling people to go on the, on a guest list. But it was basically we'd had people. We had a, we'd had we have a database of numbers and names from our, from our own, you know, client list. And you'd call people and invite them out. That's what it was. You had flyers, you know, not e-flyers, actual physical flyers. That um, people would pass out. You had little VIP cards, which people would pass out, um, and that's how you did it. You would go to, you know, uh, large scale events. If there was, if there was, just like, let's say a block party, or let's say an art fair, or let's say something where hundreds or thousands of people would be walking around, you'd be going around and handing stuff out, you know, and after it people would come or they wouldn't or if they had your number. I mean before before my day people had beepers and I would ask them how it worked and they said they just you just got a beep and they would call you or you had an answering machine and you would just they would leave a message. Cell phones made it easier. I was already in the game with cell phones and I was already there with you know texting. Texting was still expensive up until about two thousand five texting was nobody used it until about you know about then. I actually created and this is for all you you know old school listeners out there. I actually created Um, an AWOL Instant Messenger chatbot, okay? AWOL Instant Message. Remember those days? It was was like having a a, a Twitter or a Facebook, except you didn't have followers. You just had your friends list. And it was called, uh, yeah, UM Nightlife. And because UM was a school I went to, University of Miami, and Nightlife is what I did. And it would talk to you. It would just be like, you can say, party. And it would say, hey, what's up? Today's parties are here. And it would say, type Friday for more information. Type Saturday. And you would type it. And we had like a thousand people using it and it worked. So that was cool. And then, you know, after when Facebook came out, immediately when I was shown Facebook and I think University of Miami was one of the first like 50 schools on it and nobody knew what it was. But as soon as I was shown it, I instantly knew what could be done with this. So I kind of I don't want to say I hijacked or broke the platform, but I kind of broke the platform. We, um, we created a group because you can create a group and put everybody's names in there and you can send a message out to the group and it would send it to everybody. And we copied and pasted every single person's name that was on it from the University of Miami, put them in the group and started sending out messages. And overnight, everyone knew who I was just through that. And because of it, because one, the the, the marketing is key, but two, the execution. People don't realize the execution is the, the, yeah. the number one thing you have to do in anything. So... South Beach at the time was a very exclusive place. So you had to know somebody, as, as we already discussed, and you had to be ready and you had to, you know, really be on your game and dress right and look right. And, you know, it was a hassle that you did it because you'd be kept out there for hours. You didn't know if you're going to get past that door, if you're going to get in. So this was like, hey, you can just RSVP and I'll get you in. And that's how it worked because people started to come out and would go to these clubs that they could, had no in, they could never get into, they didn't know anybody. And I would be at the door and be like, yeah, you are, no problem. can you, let's go. And I would just walk them in. And people would just, it was the most amazing thing. So because of that, you know, people that didn't even like going to nightclubs, people that were just a bar people or house party people, you know, they started coming out with me because they're like, you make it so easy and this is so much fun. And through that, it was just kind of like they would bring more people. I would meet them. And that's how I built my database. You know, it was just you know networking back then. But you know, people people don't realize this was. I was like nineteen when I discovered Facebook. You know, and it was just like really new, and you know, I, I such a leapfrog from it. That by the time I was, you know, twenty one you know, I'll, I'll be spending outside like the hottest nightclub in, in South Beach, one of the hottest in the country, and I'll be, you know, yelling at NFL players that they have to spend more money here, you know, telling, telling, telling you know, deal with celebrities they can't come in or, you know, having, you know, all, all these people come and like, you know, like, who is this kid? You know, and they're like, what are you doing tomorrow? What are you doing? I'm like, listen, man, I got a test. I got to go to entrepreneurship class. I got I got a 10 a.m. test. I can't stay late. You know, I mean, that, that's what it was because that's that, that's what I wanted to bring about and do, and that's what yeah. I did, and then You know, um, as I left college, I mean, everybody's like, what are you going to do? Because I was just an anomaly. And I I think it's very good to be an anomaly, uh, you know, a a glitch in a matrix. I feel like a lot of people don't want to be a glitch. They want to, you know, they want to fit in and they want to conform. And I think for anybody that's an entrepreneur and anybody that's creative and anybody that has something they want to bring about, conformity is probably the number one danger to them. Because if they can't believe in themselves to bring about the vision they want to reality, it's not going to happen. And the pool of conformity is strong. I mean, listen, as I was graduating, I had every single person come up to me like, what are you doing after graduation? And I had no idea, you know? Every single person was like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And, you know, because everybody else was graduating and getting jobs and doing it. And I just, I said, it'd be great if I could still do this nightlife thing. I only looked at it as a college thing. But then I said, you want to know what? I think I'm going to still do it. And I stayed with it. And then the best parties and the biggest you know profits, they came after I was in college, which was ironic. You know, So it was kind of like, you know, I, I was just there. And I just ran that scene to the point that even up, even during the virus, even up to six months ago, Venues would still call me that have reopened. They're like, we want that college crowd. And it's like, dude, I graduated like 15 years ago. <laughs> you know, like, like you have kids old enough to be in college. Hire them, you know, hire your kids. So, um, yeah, but that, I mean, that's, that's how it was because I just came in and, and, and kept the scene strong and took it over. And really, I mean, the challenges were, you know, you're competing against every single other thing going on. You know, it's not like, oh, I'm going to this party. You're competing against rival nightclubs, rival bars, happy hours at restaurants, Xbox, PlayStation, you know, on-demand, Netflix. There's a million things that people do with their time at night. And, you know, you're competing against all that. And it's really, you know, the secret was to have a massive database. And I think it still is. I mean, you know, very few people pulled off what I pulled off. I mean, I I would sometimes have a guest list of over 1,000 people. And they they just couldn't believe it because how do you get 1,000 people? And it was really just, the network effect you know it was just having you know 500 people that trusted me and liked me and they brought a friend you know you yeah. have to get to that so if you want to if you want to bring 100 people you got to invite a thousand you know if you want to bring 10 people you have to invite 100 if you don't know 100 it gets a little dicey so um yeah it's it it, it, it was very challenging i mean I, I i don't think i could ever go back to do it just because one i go to bed early now Two, you know, there's a virus, and the virus ends, and maybe I'll do something. But at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like there was a time for it, and, you know, you have to kind of evolve. You know, my whole, I don't want to say I have a career that's giving it too much credit, but you have to kind of always be evolving. And, you know, to me, if you're the same person you were a year ago or two years ago or five years ago, it's kind of embarrassing. You know, you don't you don't want to be that same person. You want to always be evolving, and you always want to be changing. You always want want to be launching something new, and you know, being known for something new, and you know, coming out coming out the gate with something new. So that way, you know that you can't be categorized. You can't be you know told to conform because you're always working on something that's hit and new and fresh. So it's um. Yeah. It, it's something that, you know, listen, I loved it. It was great. It was a lot of fun. It was very challenging. I had some great successes. I had some terrible failures that nobody wants to hear about unless you think we should talk about them. <laughs> and, 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 that, and that was the game, you know, that was that was the nightlife ninja aspect of my life. So end of high school through college all through the twenties, all the way to early thirties. The things that, People would do to try and get in free and skip a line and get in, and like all these little schemes, you know, stupid, stupid schemes that people would spend all their energy on to like save 30 bucks, <laughs> you know, or save or, or you know, get in if they're underage or just like all this stuff. I mean, and you add it was anytime you add liquor to the mix, things go back. Okay. So you have a bunch of people that are already like drunk and. The things that people would say to try and, like, impress me and get in and, you know, do you know who I am is always, was always a fun one. You know, no, how would I know who you are? If I knew who you were, I would probably get you in or I, would, I wouldn't be talking to you. It's like, of course, anyone that says, do you know who I am, doesn't know who you are. You know, so that was always, that was always one. Do you know who I am? It was always uh, the, my, uh, my, my friend's the owner, but for some reason they're talking to me. There was always that. You know, they they always, there was always the name drop. So people would always try to drop the right name. But for some reason, nobody had the phone number of the person they were name dropping. (laughs) Um, I had had one experience where, you know, usually the way it worked is because I had just so many people coming globally uh, to Miami that I didn't, you know, I didn't know what they looked like or anything. So, you know, I'd say, call me when you get there. And, you know, 99.9% of the people would, you know, I don't know, pick up a phone and dial my number when they got there. I had one individual that actually started calling me. i in like yodeling, like yelling my name at the top of his lungs over and over wow. again. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. what are you doing? He said, oh, you told me to call you. I said, yeah. It's like, you never know, it's things that, you know, you shouldn't have to explain. Like when you say call, it automatically thinks of a phone call. You know, so that one kind of took me back a little bit. Um, when it, when Instagram started to pop off, you know, everyone started to think they were a model, so that was that was fun. Uh, so <laughs> you know how many followers I have? <laughs> so it's Kind of like no. So the um, there was always there was always that. Um, it, it's essentially you know again what not to do, but people would do anything to just avoid waiting in line, avoid buying a ticket, avoid buying a table, avoid paying a cover, and to just get a an experience. Were that, you know, it, it was just very narcissistic about, oh, how can I do this? I need to do this. You have to help me. You have to do this because, you know, I'm so and so. And it's funny because the people I met with, whether it's, you know, real people, you know, I'm talking, you know, very, very high net worth individuals, real celebrities, people that are on the cover of magazines and, and whatnot. They're really normal. They're quite kind of very polite and nice and you know, hey, how are you? That's great. Thanks so much. But then you have people that uh that are the opposite of that, the antithesis. And they they're legends in their own mind. And they you know, they are they are acting like they are on the cover of Forbes. Okay. <laughs> they they are acting like like like, like 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 look at me, look at this and it's like, no, not at all. Please, no. So that book is just kind of the humorous humorous observations of what not to do goes over times to come to Miami and how to act and what to do. And, you know, the, the main message of this is, you know, try and be a normal, polite human being and and try and you'll, and you'll have luck instead of just trying to, you know, pump up yourself and act like something you're not. And, you know, try, try and run a scheme because, you know, you're using the oldest trick in the book and
1: and I wrote the book. So come on, let's go. (laughs) You literally wrote the book. Literally, literally wrote the book that you're using a scheme from. So come on. Wow. Okay. My next question is about um, the book that you've written on entrepreneurship. So how did that come about? And um, it basically, talk it, it claims to be a crash course in entrepreneurship. So can you talk a bit more about that? So that is... Um... It's kind of like if you if you went to a university and
0: took a class in entrepreneurship or majored in it, as I did. I majored in entrepreneurship um, back when I was your age. And this book, which I also want to say was the number one entrepreneurship book on Amazon when I launched it. Very proud of that fact. Um, and I think it's worthy of it. So, again, click the link below. Check it out. Um, but, yeah, it's yeah. just, you know, it, it, it's lessons that, you know, People pay a lot of money to learn a lot about entrepreneurship, and they don't have to. They don't have to. They don't have to spend three thousand dollars for a course. You don't have to spend all this money to join in, you know, an accelerator, an incubator. You know, you, entrepreneurship is very simple, but the lessons are hard to execute. So these are just lessons in the book, you know, that allow you to okay, I can do this i can I can focus on this. This isn't hard, and it's it's bolstered with a lot of quotes from old school entrepreneurship books. back when entrepreneurship was like a crackpot thing back before it became like, oh, it's so cool to be an entrepreneur, which it's not to it's not cool to be an entrepreneur. It's a painful, excruciating existence and I don't recommend it unless you're consumed by the idea that you're trying to do. You know imagine a, imagine working long hours for no pay on something that no one believes in but you and that no one takes seriously but you and that no one can envision but you. That's entrepreneurship, that's it in a nutshell. It is not Ferraris, it is not Lamborghinis, it is not yachts, it is not you know, on the cover of a magazine. That all comes later if you're successful, and yeah. it's very, very difficult to become successful uh, in, in the entrepreneurship world. It just, it's hard, that's why you know, 90% of startups fail in the first year. I'm gonna say 98% fail. I've been part of startups that have failed you know, actual real startups that have raised money and, you know, by real founders that have done stuff before. It just, it happens, you know, so people need to be prepared. But the book itself is preparing people for that. It's, I, I intended to create a guide for life for five bucks that people can have, they can constantly refer to. The knowledge is real. I back it up with some real world experiences. I back it up with some historical experiences because nobody really reads anymore. Especially, they don't read history. I'm a big history junkie. I'm a big philosophy and psychology junkie, and especially history, though. So, even in the book, you know, I give um, I give the example of you know innovation instead of like oh, you know, a new app or something. I give I give the example of. Hannibal crossing the Alps into, into Italy to 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 take the fight to Rome, because at the time, you know, let's let's wind back the clock. You you have people from Carthage, which is in northern Africa, and they're going into the Alps, which which has snow, okay, into Italy, and they don't even know what Rome is. They don't even know what the, what it looks like. So you have to be a leader to take tens of thousands of people through treacherous mountain passes to come to the back door of your enemy. If that's not innovation and grit and courage and a vision no one else can see, then I don't know what it is. So I use that because one, people don't know what Hannibal was. They're like, Hannibal from the movie, right? Yeah, yeah, Sounds of the Lands. <laughs> you know, they don't, yeah. they, don't, they don't get it. You know, this is – so I, I put that in. There's a few other historical examples. Um, not as many as I think there should have been, I don't want to bore the people, but that, that's the one that stood out to me because that one, you know, still to me, is like that's a classic tale of adventure and innovation and, you know, following a vision and having, you know, to inspire people to, to, to go into an alien world. And, you know, that, that's kind of what entrepreneurship is, inspiring people to go into an alien world that only you can see. And, um, you being the guy that demonstrated, you know, you being the individual to say, we are going to do this, either you, you're with us or you stay here. You know, we and, and if you stay here and you miss out on it, you know. But if you come with us, it's going to be painful, it's going to be hard. You know, it, it's not going to be easy, but it's going to be worth it. You know, it, it might not be, a, it might not be expedient, but it's meaningful. So you know, that that's one of the the phrases that stick out, and. You know, I also use you know because I like I, I like to you know not go too in depth to a lot of other stuff. You know, I like to make it fast. I like people to read this and take away. So you know, I, I use the I don't want to say I'm a geek, but I'm kind of a geek. You know, I, I use the Star Trek villain, the from Next Generation. How uh, they just keep going, they're unstoppable. They're just a villain that just they they adapt to every change. Every change is, is adaptable, and that's kind of how you have to be as an entrepreneur. You have to you 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 have to adapt to the changing circumstances because things are always going to be changing. The technology is going to be changing. The people are going to be changing. The market's going to be changing. The mindset of, of who you're trying to work with, whether they're a vendor, whether they're an investor, you know, whether, whether they're a coworker, whether it's a co-founder, whether it's an employee, everything is in a state of flux. People cannot live in a state of flux. Only if you can. And if you can live in a state of flux and if you can move in a non-linear, non-lateral way in a non-linear fashion, then you can achieve greatness. You can achieve great success. So these are some of the tips from, like, the book that, again, it's, it's not a long book. It's about, it's about 100 pages. It's very useful. Even starting it, you know, the one lesson that I think is the most important from that, from Better Be You, is that there's a blank page in the, first, uh, in the first chapter. And the blank page is basically, you know, there's a quote that says, don't fear the blank page because it's only the blank pages that can be filled in. You know, people don't want to like, oh, look, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing there. I'm afraid it's blank. What's there? Well, you know, the blank page is the one that leads to anything. You can write it. The page that's already written is set. You can't change anything. You can't be like, I'm going to create a new computer company called Microsoft. Oh, wait, there already is one. <laughs> you know, you, you have to have that blank page for, for anything and you have to fill it in. And a lot of people are scared of the blank page. They're scared of the blank canvas. But that's the one that holds the infinite possibilities. Because you can start writing and then you can zigzag and then you can come with a doodle and then you can come up with an equation and then you can come up with an idea that's like, man, this is great. This is what I've come to. And I've seen it happen. I've experienced it. You start with one thing and then a year later it's not what you envision, but it's, it's still there and it's better and it works. But you don't get there unless you start. So, you know, th- that book yeah. I recommend for everyone that wants to be an entrepreneur, for everyone that is an entrepreneur, everyone has an inkling of, of entrepreneurship. I recommend to go check that book out. You know, it, it will help you. That's my main goal yep. of it. Is it's going to help people. And, you know, it will. It will. I, I, I don't want to say I guarantee it. I'm going to, I'm going to say I promise it. Okay. I promise <laughs> it will help you if, you if you want to be an entrepreneur and if you want the right mindset. And, you know, it, it's still to this day, besides, the, it's besides my novel, because novels are a whole different ball game. those always sell, that one is the one that, that continually keeps selling around the world. You know, yeah. as of last week, people in Australia seem to have discovered it. So if you're listening in Australia, I appreciate it. <laughs> you know, this is coming, coming, coming to your heart straight from Darwin and New South Wales. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, yeah, it's, uh, I recommend it. Yeah. I recommend them all, but for entrepreneurs, on the purpose of our discussion, mm-hmm. this is, uh, this yeah. is definitely required reading for a mandatory metamorphosis.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And, and I want to talk about the first thing that you mentioned, because it's really important. People don't talk about the dark side of entrepreneurship. People don't talk about the hardships, the mental and physical breakdowns that people literally go through um, while they're in in that journey. And this takes me to my next segue, which is about mental health, which is about the next cool thing that you're building right now. Um, so I want to yeah. talk about I want to talk about the utopian journey. I want you to talk more about um, how it came into existence and then I want you to also talk a bit more about, especially about how it can really help entrepreneurs. Because I have been through that journey and I think um, hardships in entrepreneurship are really talked less about. So tell us about what you're building on. Well,
0: of course. I mean, listen, we live in an
1: age of
0: Instagram, you know, meme okay? minds and Instagram ideals. Okay. Meme minds and Instagram ideals. Which means that every single person will parade their successes, but conceal their failures. They'll hide their poverty, but they'll, yeah. you know, they'll throw around their riches. Okay? And that's not real. That is not real. Okay? The, the, the reality of the situation is most people are going to fail. Okay? And it's not cool to talk about failure. It's not cool to show your scars. You know, it's, failure to a lot of people is soul-crushing. You know, and and unless you have an you know this mindset that that, the Thomas Edison mindset, which is also quoted in Better View, just throw it out there, where he says, "I haven't failed. I found ten thousand ways that don't work." You know, 10,000 ways that don't work. He was trying to create the light bulb filament. So he was there 18 hours a day in his little lab in New Jersey trying to experiment on his knees, trying to experiment, trying to make the light bulb work. You know, and you got to have guts and grit to, to make that happen. you got to be mentally strong to do that. And, you know, most people are crushed by the first failure. I think you got to be crushed a million times before you're going to find success. I mean, in addition to being an entrepreneur, I also, you know, I, I have the Hollywood aspirations. So I've had, the, you know, meetings with actors, producers. I've had my script being tossed around and pitched to different studios and whatnot. And, you know, I tell everyone, if they want to get into entrepreneurship, they should try and get into Hollywood. Just try to a model, actor, producer, writer, whatever. Because that is the one place that you will learn to accept hearing a no like it's second nature. No, you're not what we're looking for. No, it's just not for us. No, we don't think it's going to work. No, we're not, we, don't, we don't think the market's right for it. No, it's not what we do. Hey, you're great, but I don't think we're going we're to proceed with this. You will learn to hear a no, and you will have a, such a rhinoceros hide that when it comes to anything else, you'll be like, whatever. And that goes the same with entrepreneurship. When you're really trying to raise money and get customers and especially get paying customers and gain traction and do all that stuff, you need to be strong because a lot of people are going to not understand it. They're too busy to understand it. They're not going to give you their attention unless you really wow them. And, you know, you have to keep going. I mean, people don't realize that it takes years and years to be successful. You know, it's not an instantaneous thing. You can, we live in an instantaneous world. You know, I want a car, I'll summon it. You know, I need to stay somewhere, I'll share share someone's house. You know, you can summon everything you want except success. And you can share everything you want except the profits. No one's going to be sharing the profits. So, you know, when it comes to that, it's very difficult because success takes a long time, you know, and building profits takes a long time. And we're constantly bombarded through social media and, you know, entertainment and everything else of all the successful people. Everyone's success and they achieve success. Where are all the failures? You know, there's people don't realize there's half a billion entrepreneurs in the world, over 500 million. Okay. And there's not 500 million success stories. There's not. You know, for every um, for every one story you read about a company going to a Series B or Series E or becoming a unicorn or, li- or ex- exiting out or, you know, having a liquidity event, all that stuff is very rare. There's countless others that can't get a meeting that are burning through cash that are just failures, and it's not cool. So you have to have the right mindset. You have to have the right men- mentality And, you know, I saw an opportunity during the pandemic, one, to use my time wisely and to do something that I feel is going to really benefit the world. And what I mean by benefit the world, I wanted to make a product that no one else is making. I want to have that product help the most amount of people, which I think it's going to do. And I want that product to be at a low cost so everyone globally can use it and experience it and become the best person they could be, hence the Utopian Journey, Y-O-U, Utopian Journey. And for that, we're definitely going to need to have a little Instagram and a Substack link. Click below. Click below. <laughs> you know, definitely click below and follow it. And what it is, is it's the world's first comic book for self-improvement, for mental health, for overcoming obstacles. It's drawn in a way like all great comics. I'm not talking sick figures. I'm talking Marvel, DC, Batman level quality for improving yourself for learning, for going on a hero's journey in the 21st century, a modern-day odyssey, a modern-day self reliance because people are suffering. They're suffering mentally. They're burned out. They don't know what the future looks like. They, even the pe- These are normal people. These are the people that are actually founders or people that are in the startup world or any of that. You know, it's a very small percentage of the people that are actually normal and actually you know, are, are fine and all of this, but even those people have to expend a tremendous amount of energy to appear normal. And it's still a very taboo thing where it's like, oh, you know, you're, 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 you're weak and your mental resilience is not good. You need to get stronger. You need to toughen up. It's really not anybody's fault. It's society's fault. You know, we're, we're living in a fake society where everything is great. Everyone's successful. But the reality doesn't. It doesn't match. It just doesn't match. So Utopian Journey is here to help them. It's literally going to be a weekly guide. Also leading into my fifth book coming out this spring. Um, same title, Utopian Journey. No link yet because it's not out yet. Um, but again, it's going to be to help people become mentally Absolutely. stronger. It's going to be to have people learn. I mean, this, this thing is based on you know the wisdom of humanity, the wisdom of humanity put in a comic book form. There are quotes in this work from secular scientists, saints, generals, psychologists, philosophers from all around the world, all around the world. And uh, you know, from the market research I've done and the minimum pro- the minimum viable product that I've shared, people are digging it. And people that are, you know, especially, in, in it's for Gen Z and millennials, but I think it's universal, but especially for people that are 22, 23, 25, 18, you know, it's what they need. And this is kind of, you know, a, a social impact, you know, enterprise just because it's helping people. It's helping people realize that, hey, these are the steps I need to take to, to do what I have to do and, you know, make my life a quest. That's why it's the utopian journey because life is a quest. You have to be questing on it. You can't be sitting there and binging net, you know, Netflix all day. You've got to be on the quest. You've got to be you know, climbing a mountain and going through your sufferings and being worthy of your sufferings. You, know, you, you have to have this, this magnum opus that you're trying to bring about, whether it's a new company, whether it's a new invention, whether it's a piece of artwork. You have to have something that is so strong and so powerful to you that, the, that all the failures you encounter, all the setbacks, all the pains, all the sufferings, they're going to bounce off you because you're working on something on a higher level. With, and Nietzsche said that there are heights mm-hmm. of the soul where tragedy ceases to be tragedy, and that's the heights we need to aspire to reach. And nobody seems to want to climb, you know, so you can't you can't <laughs> get there without the climb. And this is this is what utopian journeys about. I mean, you know last year pre-pandemic, you know the United Nations you know issued a call to creatives to like combat the mental health issue. And you know before the pandemic, you know, the second leading cause of death for Gen Z was suicide you know, suicide. That was in a boom time. So I can only imagine how terrible it is now, you know, a year into this pandemic where people have been locked down and people, you know, they just didn't know how to cope. So this is kind of here, you know, so that no matter what happens, you're going to have the ability to cope. You're going to have a a diverse set of heroes that you can follow. You're going to have wisdom that that, that relates to you. You're going to just have something that is a companion for life. That's what I feel That It's Mm -hmm. something that, you can print out, you can put on your wall, you can turn to for advice, you can enjoy, you can, you can look to it when, 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 when times are rough, you can look to it when times are good. Because, you know, the villains in this, in, this, in this story, in this comic book story, it's not some maniacal evil alien trying to take over the world, or it's not, you know, Dr. Octopus or Thanos or anything like that. The villains are something we all take within ourselves. Anxiety. You know, very terrible issue that everyone suffers from. Um, conformity, as I said at the beginning of uh, of our talk, the, con- the conformity, number one danger. Uh, the waste wasted time, or as I call it, the time killer, where people fritter away their time on meaningless things just to, just to pass the time that they should be conserving and spending wisely. And, of course, you know, every every naysayer that says it can't be done who try to kill your dreams.
1: That's amazing. And uh, I, I, I really want to also talk about the purpose with which you're building this because it's free for everyone to read and uh, no strings attached. Um, I believe this somehow ties back to the same thing that you were talking about where you really were trying to break into Hollywood and then you faced all those sorts of things. It's a very archaic
0: structure. yeah,
1: Yeah, but still there is nothing where I can go and talk to people, right? I can go and connect with people who are in the same journey that I am in. And then I can connect and understand what they are going through so that I don't, um, feel alone in that journey. I think, I think that's really important. Also, Sean, I really want to understand, um, your, um, take on the recent glamorization, like you mentioned on startups and entrepreneurship, because I think somehow that really leads to people having higher expectations. And when those expectations are not met, they, um, they go into they go into this belief that they're not worth it, um, so because startups are the guitar of the twenty first century, right? Of this decade, probably, um, and I'm pretty sure like people used to get in saying that they know celebrities, early in your clubs. Now they must be saying that they're entrepreneurs, <laughs> trying to get in. Oh well, so... <laughs> people people will they will always. Say something to puff them up they will
0: always you know yep. they, they will do anything it takes to make themselves look you know the center of attention make themselves look successful and yet there is a glamorization there is a glamorization and you know it's there's there is some you know there is something to be said about creating something from nothing there is something to be said about that but that process is very you know it's very painful it's very painful and you know, we, as I said, we celebrate the winners. We don't want to celebrate the losers. And I think we should celebrate the losers because you want to know what? To be a loser, you have to at least make an attempt. You know, you have to be, make an attempt and take a shot and give it your all to be considered a loser. But the majority of people don't even want to take the attempt, they don't want to do it. And it's easier for them to say, oh, yeah, you know, I, I'm doing this or so I work with someone here and all that. It's easy to say you're an entrepreneur, but it's really a wantpreneur thing or a non-entrepreneur thing. The way I should, I should say this, because again, I'm I, I did I am in Miami, and I you know, which was like kind of the melting pot for showing off you know all the stuff that you had, but at the same time, it was a lot of all flash, no cash. Um, the way I want to preface this and kind of say it to people that are successful and people that you know they they want to show it off is that it's okay to drive a Ferrari, but it's not okay to drive it past the people that are starving and suffering every day and honk at them and wave at them. You know that's not cool. What's cool is maybe yeah you're successful how can i help you who do you need yeah. who can i who can i connect you with i mean a lot of my success came from referrals and a lot of my success came from meeting people through you know through through serendipitous means and they were just kind enough to be like who can i connect you with you know or i helped somebody out years ago and they remembered me and they're just like you know i'm working on this you should meet somebody and i think that that's what it needs to be but there can't be any arrogant asks from it you know people need to remain humble When they're doing it, because I have people that ask me for stuff all the time. They want a lot. If they're cool and there's something mutual in it, I'll I'll connect them. It's no problem for me to open a door and help somebody out because, you know, down the line, they're going to help me out. They're going to be nice about it. But some people are just going to, you know, take everything they can get. They'll take everything, everything, everything. Oh, you know, this person, you know, someone here, can I meet this person? Can I meet this celebrity? Can I do this? And it's like, no, because, you know, you don't want to burn a bridge. You don't want to, you know, open that relationship. And that person is not, you know, they're just in it. You, you can easily tell they're in it for themselves. They don't care about you. They just use you as a stepping stone.
1: That's really true. I mean, I know of so many people who do it not for validation, but for the truest sense of making something that people love or people use. And I think that is the greatest thing. A lot of people uh, really run after validation. And uh, I think that's probably the biggest curse of social media. We're,
0: we're, oh, it's a terrible they, curse. It's yeah. it's horrible because it's fake. You're, you're, you're dealing in a currency that has yeah. no value. Exactly. You know, it's, it's, you're giving, how should I put this? This is the problem with social media in a nutshell. And this is the problem with what I've seen in Miami. And this is what led me to, you know, the, to get into looking into psychology and human nature and, and studying all that is that people spend money they don't have on things they don't need to impress strangers they're never going to meet. They're never going to meet them. Yeah. You know? And it's become such a level that you can no longer go out and enjoy yourself because somebody's going to be filming it like, you know, this is their life. And it's like, we're, we're in the same boat, literally. I was in a boat once. That was an extremely nice boat. The guy that owns the boat, super successful, doesn't have social media, doesn't need it. The definition of a, of a successful entrepreneur, the passengers who we invited are on there taking pictures and videos and <laughs> live streaming. I'm just sitting by myself trying to enjoy the sun. And it's, just, it's yeah. really pitiful. It's really like, you know, like who are you trying to impress? You're, you're living off a fantasy. Like If you have something that you built that you can make happen, that's worth showing off. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's amazing. Sean, before closing out, um, I really want to talk about um, two genres of books that you read. One is philosophy sure. and the other is entrepreneurship. So your top, uh, let's say uh, two or three recommendations in each of these genres.
0: Oh, wow. I'm going to people are going to be like, what? These books are boring. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I want to I throw psychology up there, too. You know, um, mm-hmm. psych- I'm, so I'm going to go with psychology because nobody reads psychology books. And it's needed. Trust me, it's needed. So we're going to go down psychology. We're going to go one, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. One, one of the best books of the 20th century. OK, mm-hmm. number two, Rallo May. Again, I, I want to say it's one of the best books of the 20th century. Personal favorite for me. So number two it might be a tie between man's, uh, man's search for, uh, no, I'm, I'm going to say courage to create. I'm going to say number two is courage to create. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then number one is the Victor Frankl Man, man's search for meaning. Number one is man's search for meaning. Uh, number two is courage to create because it's mm-hmm. a, if you're an entrepreneur, you're creating something. And, you know, even though these are old books, like it, they will, they will open your eyes. So definitely courage to create number three um, I'm going to say, well, this one's kind of philosophy. I'm going to, all right, I'm not going to do the philosophy. We're going to, we're going to stick with psychology. I'm going to say the soul's code, James Hillman, which is about following the inner calling, which is about being born with this, something in your genetic code that we can't really, you know, we, we, we can't put our fingertip on, but it drives you to do what to do, whether it's the yeah. paint, to write, to start a company, to be in business. Mm-hmm. Soul's code, um, James Hillman. So those, those are three for there. Um, philosophy. The Art of Worldly Wisdom by Balthazar Gratian. No one's ever read it. No one's ever heard of it. I'm the only person in the entire world that that knows of this book, and it's one of the best. So The Art of Worldly Wisdom. um, Two, I mean, to put these down in three is very hard, but I'll I'll say Seneca, Letters from a Stoic, definitely amazing, definitely uh, holds up. Three, I'm going to have to say um, Nietzsche, Thus Spoke Zarathustra, absolutely Mm -hmm. amazing. It's a little tough to read. It's a little cryptic, but you have to stick with it. It it is a life-changing book. You, you, You have to do those. Now, when it comes to entrepreneurship, you know, I used to read a lot of entrepreneurship books, a lot of them. And as of late, I haven't read a lot of them because I've been getting really annoyed with them. I'm tired of seeing these people put their faces on the covers of the books with their stupid smirks. <laughs> you know, I'm really tired of looking at these, you know, <laughs> these jerk offs with their arms crossed, smiling at me. You know, um, yeah. so I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little old school yeah. when it comes to entrepreneurship. So th- these books are are relatively old. You know, they're not on many bestseller lists, at least not anymore. So it's, but but these are my personal favorites. So we got number one, Boyle Peabody, Lucky Earth Smarts. Love the book, short book, 50 pages, 50 pages. You can read it in one sitting. Um, I definitely recommend it. Again, it's like 16 years old. I read it when it came out, I think in like 2006 or something. Still refer back to it. Great book. He's actually a super cool dude also. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it was his only book he wrote, but Lucky Earth Smarts, I love that book. I love Seth Godin, but old school Seth Godin, you know, again, before I started putting his face everywhere. Um, so, you know, I like purple cow, purple cow. was cool. Again, very old, you know, but purple cow was cool. I'm also going to put, you know, as a, as a tie with all marketers are liars. Um, that one was cool as well. Um, and then the third one, Oh, this is, this is tough, man. This is, this is tough. I'm going to have to say, again, old school, The Art of the Start by Guy Kawasaki. Um, again, yeah. the older version that's got a matchstick on the cover, not his face, okay? <laughs> I don't like the books with the people's faces. The only faces I want on the book is some, like, 17th century painting or maybe, like, a Roman bust, okay? I, I don't want to have these people smiling at me and reading their stupid stuff, you know? you wanna, we, Those are a lot, especially now, there's a lot of ego trips. Yeah. Um, so those are those are nine books that you know I, I enjoy they're great I recommend them I don't want to be that guy that recommends my own books <laughs> these are <laughs> these are books to get yeah. you to get you out of your comfort zone again they're they're probably not on any Instagram's nobody's quoting from them maybe with the exception of Victor Frankl and Seneca nobody's mm-hmm. quoting from a rollllo May I'll tell you that mm-hmm. um, so it's uh, it's definitely worth worthwhile and I mean I tell everyone listen spend most of your time reading I mean I, I would During the pandemic, the height, I would read a book a day, you know, or I'd spend six hours hours a day probably researching and reading and and preparing for Utopian Journey and and, and just taking notes and and highlighting and all this stuff. And I say spend most of your time reading. You know, you will be in a class um, higher than everybody else because nobody reads anymore. You know, so read as many books as you can. I'm not saying a book a day. You can read a book a week. That's impressive, but please read. We need, you know, more intelligent individuals out there. We need people that, that, that are critical thinkers. We need people that can reference, you know, knowledge. You know, I was on Jeopardy. I know a lot about knowledge. So, <laughs> you know, you have to, yeah. you, you have to, you, you have to really, we need versatile individuals. We need versatile individuals that just are, are experts that can be experts in not just their field, but in life, mm-hmm. you know, that, you know, the philosophy, the psychology can help you so much in entrepreneurship. I mean, a lot mm-hmm. of big people, you know, in, a lot of big entrepreneurs, they had like philosophy degrees from Stanford, mm-hmm. you know, because it, it teaches you about people and it teaches you yeah. about yourself. Yeah. And a lot yeah. of people are too busy worrying about the data and the analytics and the, and the money. But you got to know about the person you're dealing with. You got to know about the mindset of the person. You got to know, you know, how to take a punch and a kick when down and uh, keep getting bludgeoned. And that's what these books are there for. You know, um, and, and, and it's, it's just extremely important. I mean, I tell everybody, read, read, read. Put the video game down. Put the Netflix away. Read, read. Turn the phone off and read. Take a walk and read. Think. Write. Try writing your own notes. See what happens. But we, we need you to turn the brains on. We're in 2021. We need some smart people. So that's my plea to everybody. It's the, please read, please, please, please read.
1: <laughs> that's amazing. And I think, I think that list that he gave out, it's, that's really cool. And it's really unique for A lot of books I haven't even heard of. So um, I'll put it out for our listeners and I think it's going to add some real cool value so Sean... it'll help
0: them trust me everybody once they start reading this stuff it's, yeah.
1: take it from me take it from take it from the reader take it from the
0: leader reader okay this is this stuff will yeah. change your life but you got to do it you got to you got to turn off the notification you got to yeah. sit in a corner by yourself and focus on the book and just absorb and think you know it's you you it's 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 what everyone throughout history has done to achieve a level of success and notoriety that was uniquely their own and you know it's It's fallen out of place as of late. We've we've been Mm -hmm. replaced with cheap, trashy beach novels and romance novels and erotica novels and whatever. Read some books that can help you elevate your mind and your body and your soul. I appreciate it. I will share it now, and then we will go from there. Perfect. Thanks a lot, Sean. Uh, I appreciate it. Thank you. Rock on.